There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Yeah! Punched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Still hot outside time. Still no Ryan Callahan in the studio time. Still thank you, 8 pounds, 6 ounce baby Jesus for that time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey, Patrick Brown, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Going to bring it to you on a Friday morning. If you have not, if this is the first podcast you've listened to this week, you'll want to go back to yesterday. We had one where we did the uh, snake draft version of the second annual Go Balls 24-7 preseason camp buzz draft brought to you by Go Balls 24-7. Less taste, more taste, less filling, something like that. So that was that. And this is something else. We're going to go with our regular Friday podcast for you. A little bit of a hodgepodge of some different things. A weekly update, as y'all who are Friday podcast listeners know by this point. It's been another, I guess, somewhat busy week for Tennessee. It's never really a slow week for Tennessee. But for those of us who are hoping that there would be a really, really quiet week the week before the annual SEC media days, which start next week, uh, we did not get that. There were a few news items. Got some football stuff, some basketball stuff, some recruiting stuff. Cruton. Cruton. First of all, uh, praise the heavens that we don't have to go to Hoover next week. Yeah, that's true. Fortunately, there are no Braves games while we are there. Because they got to do it during the All-Star break so they can maximize, the, maximize yeah. their headlines yeah. during the down week. That's true. But there is, I just, I, I don't, I don't ever like that thing. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out it's there. It's gotten sort of, it's not, sort of, not complaining, but I just, just don't like it. It's sort of jumped the shark. It's become like too big for itself. Like, it's just like they let anybody in and uh, you've always got your like typical guys there. You know what I mean? Kind of, it, it kind of has become Super Bowl media day. Yeah. yeah. You don't really get a whole lot out of it. Used to be you could get a little bit out of it, but now, like, you know, they coaches meet with the local media beforehand, but then sometimes for some coaches that's after the little behind-closed-doors powwow with the national guys, and then, like, the definition of local media is very broad now. Yeah, basically, defi- any, basically <laughs> anyone who, who gets wind of that email. And the definition of email, uh, the definition of media is broad, is as broad as it's ever been. Correct. Uh, as well, so, you know, it's like double the people that are normally even at it, like I've well, it's into practice. It's so. not just us professional morons. They also let the amateur morons in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of morons in there. Yeah, there is. And Lots of questions, SEC Media Days questions about SEC Media Days. Yeah, it's not uh, – it, it really is – That said, one of read all of our coverage from least. it. Something will come Top up. It all, something will come up. It always does. And, and really what that means is 
more than anything, it's like the tail end of talking season, and it's almost the start of yeah. actual football season. So uh, if you're a football fan, then then you get excited because now you're thinking, okay, now, now we're going to get stuff all the time. There's going to be – of course, if you were subscribing to GoBalls247.com, you, you would be getting information all year like it, like the faucet was turned on. But uh, for the casual fan, that's when things start coming thick and fast. And for us, that means uh, – enjoy the last little bit of summer that exists and on this end that means we're going to a wedding which i uh, i like the people but i don't really like weddings so i'm not really well, looking forward to that people to a wedding this summer so that's uh, true well if, if i had my way it would have been you know just eloping your cake and eat it too we had we had three weekends uh weddings in a row including yours you need more friends who are not of that age yeah well that's what happens when you marry somebody younger i guess that's true although let's see one of them was you, Wes. And then two of them were I'm, I'm pretty old. my wife's friends. And then we have one actually next weekend in Nashville. Well, you know which one was the funnest. And that one is also one of my wife's friends. So, Grant, your point is absolutely great. And, and you know which one was the most fun, right? Uh, yeah. you got to get to the stage where all your friends have babies and then you never have to see them again or talk to them again because everybody's too busy to do anything. And it's like RIP, They're, that friendship. Says the one who's yeah. up to his eyeballs and offspring. Back to the peace and quiet. Not the, not the offspring, the band. I just had those babies to get me out of things. Yeah. Grant, Grant walks home and he's like, how many of you are there now? Which, which one are you? Are I you just, even one of mine? I just had kids so I could be home every night by 8 o'clock. There, there's, having to do nothing. <laughs> That's there true. Is, there is, uh, if you guys haven't seen the new Incredibles movie, you should go see it. There's a, a part in there that uh, I feel like Grant will, will see and say, hey, that feels like my life sometimes. But I would have to see the first one before I could see the second one. You haven't seen the one. first one? I haven't mm-hmm. seen yeah. either. He's we, gonna, we need to, that's right, you have children. We need to get back on track here. We are on track. Focus. Squeak people, toy. Squeak toy. People like hearing this. They like hearing about our lives. Let me get up my and Ryan things Collins we like and toys. don't like. So we got a bunch to talk about today. We'll we'll open up with uh, Tennessee's SEC East championship odds ha- have come out. And if you were thinking, man, I wonder if they're going to be pretty good. Yeah, they're not. Hey, but uh, you, they're you know, not if, good. If you're the gambling kind, you can put put a little bit of cash down and hope and see. If, and if then, you were you thinking, know, you never know. Man, they might be pretty good. I'll have whatever you're having. Yeah, ten- Tennessee's SEC title odds are sixty-six to one. Hey, that's better than a hundred to one that you could get at the uh, Las Vegas Westgate Super Sportsbook. For for reference here, Tennessee's sandwiched in between Mizzou, which is forty to one, significantly better than than Tennessee's, and then Arkansas is behind Tennessee at eighty to one. The only two or only three below Tennessee are Arkansas, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. Vandy is at the bottom of the pile at one fifty to one. Then Kentucky at one hundred to one, Arkansas at eighty to one. Ole Miss is off the board, by the way, sixty-six to one. Ole Miss is off the board because they cheated and are bad. That's true. Well, because they're because of the moral turpitude. <laughs> moral turpitude. So, so, so they're not eligible. So, the, so the, uh, go ahead. Ole Miss could could run the table this year. They could go twelve and zero. They wouldn't even be allowed to play for the SEC title. That's, I bet that, they would make SEC title rings though. That's called pulling the Auburn they when could, Auburn did that. They could make national championship. Rings. They could. They I could mean, go UCF. Look and at say, UCF. Hey, Terry Bowden and Auburn are like, we already did that, bro. If you really want to live on the wild side in these Bovada odds, you can pay $7 for Alabama and win a whopping $5. Yeah. Alabama leading the pack at uh, five to seven odds, which, as Grant just so eloquently stated, means that – Grant was talking like a true gambling expert over there. You you need to bet a lot to to get anything, really, out of it. So Georgia is just behind Alabama at 13 to four, then Auburn at 17 to two. Mississippi State at fifteen to one, Florida eighteen to one, 
LSU 25 to 1, y'all, y'all. Texas A&M also 25 to 1. South Carolina at 33 to 1. Why do people think Florida's going to be good this year? That's, I'm, that, I'm totally that missing was, that. That question was just rattling around the old steel like, trap. I, <laughs> that, why do watch Florida 18 to 1 and Auburn at 17 to 2 seems like a pretty good value. Yeah. Auburn's got some question marks, though. They lost a lot on their offensive line. Pretty good defense, though. That's yeah, true. They are going to be good defense. That defense is pretty stout. There would be a lot of years where you would say this Auburn team, you look at it on paper and go, it's, it would be the best team in the SEC some years. And who, I, don't, and, I don't think it is this year. And but. who can beat Alabama? Gus. 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 Gus can beat Alabama. Gus. And, and then, interesting, Mississippi State, 15-1. to 1. That is – I hope, I hope Joe Moorhead is sending Dan Mullen like a thank you text like every yeah. Week. I mean that's thanks for leaving me this good team, bro. I mean even back when who was that Athlon or somebody ranked the first year SEC no the, the SEC coaches just league wide, Moorhead was like ninth or eighth or something way up there. You can he, only, you he can did win at Fordham, but so that's you, not Mississippi State. That's true. That's true. You can only put down money on one of these. Who are you putting money on? Auburn seventeen to two. Sure. Uh, I'm not trying to waste my money. Tennessee fans listening to me are going to think I'm crazy here, but I might take a shot on South Carolina at 33 to 1. Come on. Oof. Oof. PB must have a lot of money because he doesn't mind losing it. I'm, I'm just saying, look, they've got a really good quarterback. They've got two NFL wide receivers. Um, they've got a decent set of running backs. They've got a decent offensive line, and, and they lost all on defense, but much chance to get a defensive coach, and they're not going to have to hold teams in 20 points game this year to win. If I, do they still play Georgia like the second week of the season? Yeah, and Georgia's got a lot of people they need to replace, and they play in Georgia at home. So, If somebody just gives me 20 – If I'm trying to make money, this is what you're asking me to do, I'm trying to make money by gambling, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a little Not bit of money down on anybody home. here would do, ever no, do such a thing. absolutely. We, we, this is a family-friendly podcast. Even though it could be legal. It's true. At some point, and then it'd be fine. Yeah, the, I mean, if you if you tell me I only got twenty bucks and I can put on any of these teams, and I say, you know what, just randomly, I can throw twenty bucks somewhere, I'd throw twenty bucks on LSU at twenty-five to one. Ed Orgeron, you're crazy. I, yeah, let, have, you, have you met Edo? Let let me let me finish this. I think that quarterback, I think crying. LSU's quarterback situation is often question mark. I think they got a pretty decent one right now, and I think that if you're trying to, you know, if you want to put. Ten or twenty bucks just on hey randomly this could happen. LSU's always got talent, so I'm just I'm I'm just uh, saying. Going back to Florida though, I would say save your twenty dollars and put it towards the Hummer. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> see, see see what JoJo thinks about it. Back to Florida. I need a Hummer. You need a Hummer. They're tough, um, tough and aggressive. But like the uh, I just don't <laughs> understand. I, I guess people think Dan Mullen's like a miracle worker because I mean, ESPN's FBI they go off last year and they've got Florida going nine and three this year. Yeah, I don't. Get and that. Athlon had Florida as like a top twenty team. I'm like, I'm, uh, like Florida and Tennessee, like they're like the Spider Man meme where the two Spider Men are staring at each other, like, "Hey, you look like me." Like I feel like Florida and Tennessee are like very similar situations because neither have a quarterback. The offensive line's a huge question mark. Florida's got all five of their starters back. They were terrible on the offensive line last year. They both wish it was the mid nineties. They both wish it was the mid nineties. Uh, they, you know, they got some nice players on defense, but it's like okay, they don't have a lot of depth. And then overall, you've had two previous coaching staffs that didn't develop anyone, and Florida didn't recruit that great under McElwain either, at least not compared to what they should be doing because they're in Florida. But I just don't understand that. I mean, <laughs> I, I get why people are down on Tennessee. I think that's I think people I think the expectations out there are realistic on the laws, but 
Some of this Florida hype, I just baffling to me. I'm just gonna be honest. There's three little reasons that I think people could justify that, and I'm not saying I agree with them, but I'm saying here would be their argument. One, it's not like Mullen was getting the pick of the litter every year at Mississippi State, and he still it's, it's totally won. on Mullen to me. And that's one thing. The other thing is, if you're looking at it, don't you just say it's Florida? There's always a couple of good. There's always good players down there. That that's what people are thinking. That's two, and then three. You know, look at that schedule. If if Florida's just got to if Florida could find a way to beat Georgia, if it could, just hypothetically, it's a, it's a slop fest game, a lot of turnovers, whatever. Then somebody's got to win the East, and then you're at a one-off situation to go play for the SEC title. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's lower than I would have it, and I would not put a cent on that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can see with those three reasons why people might put them there. Just a thought. I just I don't know how you put them over South Carolina right now. I don't know why y'all coughed at my South Carolina. We may look back at this and say that I was crazy, or I could be like a genius when South Carolina goes 10-2 and two and wins the East. Hey, South Carolina could. I mean, if, if you if you got to tell me right now, if I'm picking the second-best team in the East right now, I'm, I'm going with South Carolina. But, yeah, I think that – I mean, they get – no, they got to go to Florida. That's a tough game. There are some good players on that offense. There's a – and, and Muschamp knows defense. I, I, I get why there's some – I think people are jumping the shark a little bit with that team, but I, I can understand why some people – feel pretty good about that team. Plus I they think get, that's They get Georgia at home early. You would rather have Georgia at home early as they're still figuring some stuff out. Bottom maybe. line, Auburn's the best value there. I was right. Everybody else was wrong. <laughs> and that was a gigantic waste of time because I was right. Is that the alpha answer that you've got there? Exactly. That's the, I'm trying to get out of here answers with that. That's true. No, yeah. no that's the truth. Auburn's 17-2 is the best value. Well, if we're trying to get out of here quickly, we probably don't need to, to get into the pronunciation of this young man's name. But Tennessee has gotten another commitment in the past week. Uh, Football-wise, Tennessee has gotten another football commitment. And uh, a kid who was from Nigeria, spent a few years going to high school here in Knoxville, or this basically in Knoxville, uh, and now plays at Powerhouse IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida. Chris, uh, what is it, Pat? You you got the last name. What is it? Uh, This is from Ryan, so it's probably wrong. Uh, Aporogany. So the K is silent. Yes. We'll just call him Chris. (laughs) We will call him Chris. We'll say, Chris, uh, I... Yeah, what do they call him, Roe? Is that what they call him? Uh, that's fine with me. Chris Roe. Yeah, Roe is uh, <laughs> a very, very large mammal. He is... And he might be in his mid-20s. Yeah, he's <laughs> listed at six foot four, 290 pounds. I'd give him every bit of that. Uh, he is a big, strong kid. Uh, and interestingly, he played a couple years of high school ball at the King's Academy in Seymour, Tennessee, right there, basically just a, a few miles south of here. And he... Um, just to me to think about like a like a, a a pretty solidly rated prospect being from that school that that's that's just crazy to think about but he wanted to go play against better competition and he did so he left his I guess adopted family or or a, a guardian uh, family here and went down to Florida to play for IMG which is you know the football basketball powerhouse Alante Turner played there so many guys every year come out of there in, in different sports and uh, he has committed to Tennessee over some some pretty good other offers, uh, Oregon, some other places. He had uh, 33 offers listed, so this this is a this is a pretty nice get for Tennessee. Yeah, uh, he again he he come, came over to the United States from Nigeria, I think three years ago. He's only been playing football for two seasons, uh, mm-hmm. and actually hasn't played. He he moved to IMG in the winter, I think around January is when he yeah uh, when he went. His family is still back in Nigeria, correct? Uh, but he does have a family, his adoptive family or, or his. United States family is still here. Um, but 
Yeah, you, you look at, you know, he certainly passed the eye test. Uh, his coach was on uh, Jason Swain's show, Swain, friend of the program. FOP. Uh, it was a really good interview. Uh, and his coach said that uh, he's six foot four, 290 with, let me get this right, um, 10 or 11% body fat. Pretty large. So, so you see a lot of big guys, a lot of big offensive linemen uh, at – at that age, and they've got a lot of baby fat on them that Correct. you got to trim off. This guy does not seem to have that issue. He also might be in his mid-20s. Yeah, you look um, at normally that it's almost like someone like Emerson, who yeah. is a big kid, a big, strong kid, tons of muscle, but also has some baby fat, and this kid doesn't have much of that. Yeah, he, uh, he's going to be a raw prospect. He's going to be a guy that you're going to need to develop. But um, credit to, uh, to Chris that you know he wanted to go and, and go somewhere where he was challenged. Uh, I think IMG is, is basically a boarding school. They have a very strict, rigorous schedule there. A lot yeah. of it is based on athletics, and uh, from an academic standpoint, they're really only focusing on their core classes. Um, so it is sort of an athletic factory, but at the same time, um, you're, you're playing against some of the best athletes in the country. They're cranking out about a dozen major conference players every year. I think uh, IMG's coach said during this interview with Swain that they have like 12 guys that played a lot as true freshmen. Yeah, you, so you're, you're getting college-ready guys, and Tennessee every signed day, a guy. Yeah. yeah, your practice every day is a lot tougher than any game you're going to play, basically. Yeah, and, and they play a national schedule, so they're not you know they're not playing a bunch of local high schools. They're not playing a bunch of, you know overmatched teams they're going around and, and playing all over the country against some of these other powerhouses bishop gorman some of the, the california guy uh the california schools modern day uh up, up in jersey don bosco out in california they're playing a lot of these national games you'll probably be able to watch uh this guy and his team play this year because they'll probably be on espn a couple times just because they're yeah one of those type schools they'll so, at least be on the ocean um, but yeah <laughs> the ocean uh but yeah he was a guy that um he went to Tennessee. Tennessee didn't offer him until last month when they saw him in camp. Again, this mm-hmm. staff is really, really go, goes on with on, on their evaluations at camp. And um, his final five was Oregon, and he was really high on Oregon coming off of his visit there. A lot of people thought he might go there. Yeah, um, he took an official there a couple, a couple weeks ago, about a couple weeks before he committed, and was really high on the Ducks. Uh, Texas wanted him. Texas was one of his final five, as was Nebraska and Duke. So, um, again, those those are a couple places that. He's yeah. a smart kid. If Duke's if Duke's offering you, yeah. you're smart. I mean, Texas is you know if anybody if Texas is wanting you and you're out of state, you got to be pretty decent, right? Yeah. Uh, and Oregon's recruited pretty well too. So um, this is a good get for Tennessee. Their offensive line class is looking really good right now. Um, and it's just about done. I think they probably only have one spot left, maybe for uh, Darnell Wright is the the five star guy that they're after. Obviously, they have Wanye Morris. We'll have more on him in a moment, right, West? Yes, we will. Um, but then, yeah, and Texas has got a top ten rated class right now, yeah. and wanted him. So, and, and you know, the other class, the other guy, other offensive linemen in the class are see Jackson Lampley is one of them. He's from NBA over in Nashville, and who's the other one? I think there's another one. Another offensive lineman? Maybe there's not. Maybe there's just two. Um, those but yeah, are, those are the two. Uh, I know Ke- Kevin Wright is IMG's coach, and he said that that Aperini, uh projects as a tackle uh, in college. Don't, doesn't everybody say that? Yeah, he could play inside though too. Um, again, six foot four, two ninety. He's probably with his body fat. If you you know, he's probably going to continue to get bigger. Three fifteen, three twenty. He's a really good athlete though. So yeah, recruiting recruiting guys to play offensive line in college, like ninety percent of the time, goes like this. Hey, I think he could project into a tackle. Oh, oh wait, oh wait, he's a guard. Guess what? You need guards in the NFL, and they get paid too. Yeah, they you need do. centers. In the oh NFL no, but I'm just saying. Get paid too. Oh no, I'm just saying. Like, but it's just funny how I know. That's I, don't, it I, don't, I don't understand to. why everybody gets projected a tackle when. You need five offensive linemen. They're like, oh, he can play tackle. I oh, guess wait, that's he's the just a guard. But, 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 well, tack, tackles are hard to get because usually they are have to be pretty elite athletes. Uh, and yeah. a rare it's, athlete. It's a lot easier to take 
a guy that could be a guard. It's not easy. It's not easier for a tackle to come in and play guard than it is for someone who's not a tackle type to go play tackle. So you're either sort of an inside guy or you're a guy that could play guard or tackle. And that's why I've I've always thought, and it's been told told to me before that offensive line is like the hardest position to recruit and project because you're you're basically going off what is a guy going to look like in two three years. And you're trying to, I mean, just for us to evaluate. I, I've been candid. Yeah. I've been candid about this when I. I uh, was one of the AP All-America team voters. I would call as many coaches as I could and say, listen, I know my guys everywhere but the offensive line, so I know who I'm going to vote for. Tell me the best offensive lineman you've seen this year, either in person or on film. And so I would try to get it that way. And, and that, just to be candid, I, I uh, probably awful to admit that, but I, I can't sit there and evaluate offensive linemen on a down-to-down basis and know exactly who was good all the time and who wasn't. Yeah, and I, I did mention Morris and Lampley are the only two other commits right now, but obviously Darnell Wright's another guy that Tennessee wants, um, another five-star guy from West Virginia, Grant's native, um, favorite favorite land. Um, West Virginia is the best Virginia, right? It's true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's he's a nice a nice prospect and a guy that, that Tennessee staff really liked. Um, and they're getting a guy that was from their own backyard that's now not, but – can we call him an in-state guy? I know there's been a lot of talk about in-state recruiting lately. Former he, in-state guy. Former in-state guy. If that makes any sense. Former in-state guy. I mean, go balls 247 CEO Ron Callahan, <laughs> West Rutgers boss. Uh, I, I, t- the, I tenure my resignation. If that ever happens, and the, you, you could ask anyone, ask anyone in the company. Wrote about this. That this is on record, stated several times. That happens, I tender my resignation that day. Nobody cares, Wes. Wrote, he, he wrote about this three <laughs> days ago of how the, the focus has been on rebuilding both sides of the line of scrimmage, uh, basically. Yeah, so true. far, eight of the 13, I think, commitments, uh, Ryan, chief operating officer, notes in this story uh, are playing on the line of scrimmage, our, our line of scrimmage guys, uh, Jackson Logel, Clemens, Sean Brown, blah, 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 the list goes on. Jameer Johnson, Jerome Carpenter, guys they added in 2018, uh, Emma Gooden, Brandon Kennedy. I mean, uh, it seems like the the majority of these guys, are they are trying to rebuild uh, both lines of scrimmage and then move out. Obviously, they're signing guys at other positions, but it does seem like the overwhelming focus uh, is being better at the line of scrimmage. I think that sounds that sounds about right. The, be- the best thing we could say for, for Chris is that, again, he looks like he's in his mid-30s. <laughs> That's true. And if you're recruiting guys that look like they're in their mid-30s, they might not be just 18 or 19. And if you're getting grown men to play football for you, then that's what you need in the SEC. Because you look at Alabama's guys, Aishon Robertson looked like he was about 40 when he was a freshman. So. He could probably rent a car. <laughs> that's true. Probably doesn't get ID'd when he gets yeah. on. No. Probably can just go get beer. And they just, they're like, okay, yeah, you look like someone who should be, who should be drinking beer. That's, why do you not have one in your hand right now? Are you, are you buying this for kids? Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, wait, hold on. Hold on. What are you doing with this? Uh, and speaking of the recruiting thing, is that what we're going to call it? The recruiting thing? The, cr- good? the recruiting, recruiting lane. The recruiting. Good segment name. What about recruiting lane? What does this mean for recruiting lane? Uh, Wanye Morris has gone up to a fifth star. People were wondering when Tennessee's uh, touted offensive tackle commitment was going to become a five star across the board because he was a five star in the uh, composite, but 24 7 sports. We, we don't just give out those five stars like, like candy, all right? You got to earn that. And Wanye Morris went has gone out and earned that now. He is now a five-star prospect in that class. So right now uh, he is the – got a big bump. Number 13 overall prospect in the country, number two offensive tackle prospect in the country, which when you look at that kid, you go, uh, yeah, that's about where he looks like he needs to be. He just physically looks like a, a beast right now. He just does. 
and he did his part in the opening too. This was a obviously a, yep. a big chance to evaluate him for a lot of our very talented recruiting analysts, um, and, and he impressed there. Uh, and a lot of people think he's got a really really high ceiling at the college level and beyond. Yeah, because he's almost six six, two ninety three. He's got those you know hands the size of a basket. I mean, you know, he's just he he's got that kind of that that kind of look. So now Morris is up to in the composite. He's up to the number six overall prospect, the number one offensive tackle nationally. Uh, Barton Simmons is, again, our, our director of scouting, knows this stuff, uh, told Ryan this in a story we have up now. Wanye is the same guy that, that, that dominated the opening in Charlotte, the regional there, and the same guy that has elite film. But the more we see his body type, his elite athleticism, the more we feel like he has a chance to be the best tackle in this class. So He's up there now, so he, and he jumped up 49 spots in 24-7 sports. He wasn't the biggest mover, though, was he, Wes? Uh, no, there was, a, there was a bigger one, a bigger one, uh, Ramel Keaton. Uh, wide receiver prospect uh, from Marietta High School down there in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, he had been in the top 24-7 before going to the opening uh, finals, but now he has gone up 66 spots. He is number 104 overall in 24-7 sports rankings, and he's now the number 17 wide receiver in the class. So he has he has gone up considerably, and, and again, physically, he's a guy who just looks the part to me. He just... Uh, you know, the ceiling is is, is we'll see how high the ceiling is, but the floor is pretty high. <laughs> Greg, I was about to say. The, the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> That's fair. Quote Michael Jordan. The you ceiling. Remember that? Oh yeah. Okay. The ceiling is the roof. He's am, he's uh he 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 can swing from both sides of the plate. He's amphibious. Yeah, he has. Back on track. He's gone up a, a good bit, and also some other Tennessee guys have gone up in the in the rankings. Uh, it looks like Anthony Harris uh, has gone up to now the. He's the safety commitment from there. Havelock, North Carolina, the same high school that produced Kendall Vickers. He's up to and the – And Farrow Cooper. And Farrow Cooper. People might know him. As the nation's number 134 overall prospect and number eight safety in the class. And uh, Jackson Lampley has gone into the uh, 24-7, uh, top 24-7 range. He is now 229 overall. So – that's some 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 big movers see, and shakers there. And if you want to see where some targets went, Ryan has that on the site now. Go check it out if you haven't already. If you can stomach the the fact that that Ryan's the one writing it. Well, him reading reading what he wrote is better than him listening to him say it. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. Is that too mean? Or having to watch him while he's saying it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Also, that's the worst. That's the worst part of it all, as we know that. But but here's is where it's going to get interesting, guys. We don't just have football recruiting updates for you this week. We got some hoops news for you. I'll hoops just, recruiting news for you. I'm champ, and I'm going to sit this play out. I don't get a recruiting thing or whatever it's called segment. Uh, this is the GoVols 24-7 uh, basketball recruiting segment brought to you by GoVols247.com, the best website on all of Al Gore's internets. Grant? What's the Shout latest? out Ron Callahan, our what? boss. Everyone here is boss. I just don't know why you're even doing this. I don't know why you would say that. Okay, July live evaluation periods are open. Yes. This week, next week, the week after, there's three of them. Tennessee's going to be focusing on guards. They missed out, swung and missed pretty hard uh, on 2018 guards after. Took a mighty cut. But swung took and a, they, they, they stayed, they, they kept their eggs in the Anthony Simons basket until he decided to go to the NBA and turned into a first round pick and. Now he's playing summer league, and that sounds like a pretty good decision for him. Yes. Uh, and he then they moved on to Quan Four, and they had him committed for a month, and then something happened, and he couldn't get into school or couldn't didn't have a right graduate program or something. He ended up at Louisville. So anyway, the only person they signed in that 2018 class is DJ 
Uh, Burns, a four-star four center who was in the 2019 class, reclassified to 2018. So long story short, they're focusing on guards. They need guards really badly because they basically only have two-point guards and Jordan mm-hmm. Bowden, and uh, they need some depth there for sure. Uh, moving forward, the good news, Trey Mann is, is uh, announcing – his college decision on July 30th at 6 p.m. in Tennessee's – I would consider Tennessee the favorite uh, with him. He's a four-star guy. He's number 31 overall player in the class in the composite out of Florida. Uh, Tennessee hasn't had a player that high, to my knowledge, since uh, Robert Hubbs was, I think, number 20 in his mm-hmm. class. That's accurate. Jarnell Stokes was number 41 uh, in his class. So you, those are the guys you're kind of talking about in this range, Trey Mann. He's number 31 overall, number four point guard, number three prospect in Florida, 6'1 point guard. He played basketball with Emery Lanier, Rob Lanier's son, uh, in grade school when Rob Lanier was in Gainesville coaching for Florida. So that's kind of the connection Tennessee has had there. His final three is Tennessee, Florida, and Kansas. He hasn't taken an official visit to Kansas which I think speaks volumes. He has visited Tennessee and Florida. Yeah, and there's also that FBI stuff going on with Kansas, and, and it, i got to wonder. It, feel, it just feels like Kansas is kind of slow playing it. Like uh, the, the live evalu- evaluation period uh, the other day, Mike White was there, Rick Barnes was there, and it was a Kansas assistant coach. He hadn't been there on an official visit, so it feels like that's uh, kind of a slow play. So I, I would think it's down to Florida and Tennessee, even though he does have a top three, and I would, I would make Flor- uh, Tennessee the favorite. Uh, for him and his teammate is C.J. His AAU teammate is C.J. Walker, who is a 2018 uh, power forward who his stock is exploding. He exploded during the spring evaluation periods. He could end up being a, a five-star guy. He's a he's a 6'8", 200-pound power forward out of Florida. He's a four-star prospect. He's already number 56 overall, and he could keep climbing, and they could be a package deal, could want to play at the next level uh, together. So that, that's really good news. Uh, Josiah James, he's a five-star. He's number... 12 or 13 overall in the class. He is really, really elite out of Charleston, South Carolina. Tennessee's part of his final nine. Yeah, he's a 6'6 six, 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 six point yeah, guard, too. And, he's big. And, and Coach K and all, I mean, Duke and Kansas and, and all those kind of blue blood schools are, are after him. And he's actually a Michigan State, uh, I guess, legacy because his dad played there in the 80s. So that's somebody to watch. Tennessee made his final nine. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. He's told somebody earlier this week that he's not in any rush to make a decision, so uh, that could play out for a while, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll get Trey Mann news before Josiah James makes a decision, I would guess. So that's that's something to watch with uh, some of their highly rated guards. Uh, Jalen LeCue is a combo guard in this class, 2019. He's a five-star guy. Tennessee's been after him for two or three years now at this point. Uh, he's a guy they'll continue to go after. And then Kai Tandy, the, the three-star, four-star, actually, combo guard from Hopkinsville. Uh, that's another good guard. And then there's a bunch of 2020 guards, uh, elite guys that they're after. Sharif Cooper. Uh, Big-time player, that kid. Yeah, some of the other guys. He's down in Georgia. Uh, some of the other guys' names escape me right now. But they do have a lot of traction right now with some really highly rated uh, prospects. It's just a matter of, of getting one of those kids committed uh, and signed and going from there. And, again, when you talk about a, a coach who has a plan and sticks to it and you know what they're doing because the things they tell you they're going to do are the things they do. And you could see that it would have been great for them to, to walk in from day one, Barnes and that staff, and just you know do the cow thing and start bringing in five stars every day. They knew they were going to have to rebuild some things and build it the right way, and they needed some program kind of kids to do that, some, some good four-year players, three-year players, those kinds of guys. And they went out and did those guys, and they've been developing them. And then they said, once that happens, 
then we'll go sprinkle in a couple of those big-time guys because early on they couldn't afford to go miss on a five-star when they knew they were probably going to not going to get him, and then a three- or four-star ends up going to Georgia or somewhere because you – you know, you, you were you were slow playing him. They, they they knew they needed guys. And once they got their foothold in there, they said, now we're going to start going after big-time guys. And look at this. The the top three of the top four point guards in the class uh, in, in 2019 are guys that Tennessee is legitimately a player for. And you, you just go the shooting guards. Two of the top eight are guys that Tennessee has been involved with. You go to the wing position, two of the top nine are guys Tennessee has been involved with. Uh, you go to the power forwards, four of the top 12 are guys that they've been involved with. Uh, the center position, again, three of the top – four of the top eight are guys that they've been a little bit involved with and and two of the top ten combo guards. And so they, they, they've been in there and they've become a factor to some extent or another with these guys. And these, and they, these guys that they do have traction with are the guys they've been after for multiple years now. Yep. Uh, Jalen LeCue, he he's out of New York. He he moved down to Christ School and uh, outside of Asheville. But I mean, they've been on him since he was an underclassman. Uh, of those final nine that that Josiah James has cut his list down to, Tennessee was his first offer out of those nine schools. It was before he even started high school. Uh, same with Trey Mann. They've been after him for a while. So, I mean, I I got a lot of questions about that over the first couple of years. Like, what what's the what are they doing here? What's their mindset? And the only thing I could say is. These guys know what it takes to win. They've won. Rick Barnes has won X number of games over the last 30 years. He's going to have a plan in place, and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, he won't be here. I mean, right now it's working. Uh, You need to build on that really good season they had last season with with something similar this year and kind of keep the momentum rolling and and keep going that that right direction and trending upward. Uh, But right now it looks like they're, they're in a really good place both with the team they have and the kids they're trying to add. Yeah, because any time that, that we get to know a new coach when he comes to Tennessee, he or she, and, you know, they, usually if you're coming to a situation, sometimes it's because the your predecessor was so good he went to the pro level or something like that or, you know, but, but more often than not it's that someone was disappointing and so they're stepping in to, to fix a program. And when they do that, that first year or two, even if they don't say it publicly – privately almost every time once you get to know them a little bit they will tell you here's the plan and I've said this from day one I'll keep saying it very few times has that plan gone as similarly to what I was told it would I don't know that it's ever been quite as just smack dab on the nose as it's been with Barnes and his staff this is what those guys said from day one they were going to do and how they were going to build how they were going to put this thing the foundation in and then do this and that's what they've been doing. And then last year, they get externally way ahead of schedule, but internally they thought they had a chance to be that kind of a team. So what they're doing is what they said they were going to do, which to me means you had a good plan and you're executing it well. So good job. Yeah, You're, you're doing your job. You, you found the right pieces of fit. I mean, a lot, a lot of people like to talk about chemistry and fit with the team they have right now, uh, the team they had last season. That's because they – uh, they pick out certain guys that they're going to take and and uh, and add to a roster and, and see if it works. I mean, if you're a if you're an off court problem, if 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 they don't think you have the personality to fit this team, they're not going to bring you on. They they bring kids on unofficial visit or official visits and say uh, and and give them to a host player and say, let me know at the end of the weekend if you think this guy fits our culture. If so, they'll keep recruiting. If not, they cut ties. So. 
Uh, they've had their plan in place from day one. It seems like they're following it uh, step by step, and it seems like they're taking the right steps forward. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of um, Barnes with the way he recruits reminds me in, in a lot of ways of the way Conzo Martin recruited in that those are the two coaches near the top of the list that I've covered in terms of if they hear something they don't like about a kid, they will do a 180 in a hurry and walk away. You Normally you go, oh, he's really good. Maybe he's just growing up. You know, let, let's see. Let's talk to some more people, make sure. Once these guys hear something, they're like, we don't like this. They're just, they're done, more or less. And for them to have the conviction to do that, that's a thing that's really easy to say everybody should do. That's hard to do. And I'm sure that at some point they're going to have a kid who is going to get in trouble. It happens. It's going to happen. It happens everywhere. It's very, very rare, D1, D2, D3. Heck, you just go get 100 kids, 100 college-age males. You're going to have a couple problems usually. That's going to happen. But by and large, they avoid a lot of that because they're so particular about it. They, they, they build a, a team of guys they like, guys they trust, and they will trust those guys to tell them about the, uh, the new guys coming in. And that, to me, means that you're covering every base in there and that you're building something the right way. So, again, they haven't uh, – we'll see if they go compete for a Final Four next year, win another SEC championship, have a better run in the tournament, stay healthier. You know, we'll see. But I, I just – I think it's worth noting we're cynical guys, so it's easy to, to overlook things that are supposed to happen, that do happen, that are good things. And – what these guys said they were going to do, they've done. And, and they've missed, too. They've had transfers out because they've brought guys in that they thought were going to work. Oh, no work. question. No and, question. And that happens in every college basketball program. But the point is they've, they've hit on a lot more than they've missed so far. Yeah. And, and if they want uh, to, get, uh, to get a guy out of the program, it's not necessarily because they're a bad kid. It's because there's just something about the chemistry with that team and the way they want them to work they're not doing. And if a guy keeps working, Barnes is going to go to bat for him all the time and he'll give them another chance. That's why with guys like Turner and, and Schofield, you know, when, when they were bumping heads with him a little bit, he was like, you know what, at least they're playing hard. I can work with this. And, and so, you know, you, it's easier to mold that than it is a, a different situation. So just something worth noting there. And I, I really think, guys, that, that Patrick gave us a lot of good analysis on that. Loud noises. Is he even listening to us? Patrick, what are your thoughts on what we've been talking about for the past, I don't know, 10 minutes? I don't know. I took a nap. <laughs> At least you didn't snore. He crawled into took, the desk. Took a quick nap. Cut in the fetal position. Yep. That would have been that would have been awkward. I was just over here staying in my lane. You know what's crazy to think about, guys? Next time we do a podcast, it'll be right when we've either just arrived at or just left Atlanta, Georgia for SEC football media days has it really hit y'all yet no i'm still not at peace with that we still have a weekend not me i gotta go to a wedding that means it's part of your weekend though so that means i have are you in the wedding no but you just my get to wife go to a wedding. that's pretty that's pretty rela- where is the wedding at here oh so you just you literally hey, just roll hey, out hey. your house and you go you didn't let me finish dry wedding Hey, my wedding was a dry wedding. It was all right. What's wrong with you? That's another conversation. Not to have, not to have the just uh, because not to be had on the podcast. Just because you live a certain way doesn't mean that everybody else has to. That's all I'm saying, people. Think about you know what? We're, I'm just going to tell you right now. It wasn't my call, so 
Well, I'll tell you right now, Team Rucker, Team Rucker is arriving with airplane bottles in tow. It was the. I'm uh, just throwing it out there right was, now for everybody to hear. We will be handling ourselves responsibly, but we will be there with airplane it, bottles in our pockets. It was the call of the people paying for the wedding, so I mean, it's hard to argue. I bet there are people there with airplane bottles, though, weren't there? Uh, probably. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't alcohol prohibited. It was just we're not giving you alcohol. Yeah. And don't make it obvious. Yeah, <laughs> don't make it obvious. We had, we had plenty of space for activities. Was it like the SEC on campus rule? Just put it in a cup. Don't bring a case in. Game day, item. just just put it in a cup. We had plenty of spaces for activities at our wedding. So, with all that being said, Pat, any final thoughts? No. 